Our scripture reading this morning comes from Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and then verse 10. Hear now the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. The word of the Lord. I have a confession to make. Jonah is probably my favorite book in the Bible. It feels like I'm not allowed to say that because Jesus isn't in it. But seriously, I love Jonah because I relate to Jonah. I have been Jonah. I spent most of my life running from God and where God wanted me to be, from who God wanted me to be. I grew up in the church and knew from a pretty young age that I was supposed to grow up and work for the church. I hated that. I felt like it haunted me every day, but I ignored it. I didn't always know I was ignoring it, but I definitely didn't let myself wonder about it. I decided that God was calling me to do music. I def sorry. I thought that I could bargain with God. I thought that I could do music and sing about songs and write songs in an undercover kind of way about God, and then God would be happy, and maybe God would let me live my dream, and God would just let it go. How funny is that? So needless to say, God won. But I love Jonah because I relate to Jonah, at least a little bit. And Jesus loved Jonah too, so I'm allowed to say it's my favorite book in the Bible. Jesus references Jonah in a way that makes us think that Jesus sees Jonah as a book about people who are confused about who God is. That's a great place to start with Jonah, so let's just assume that Jesus is right. That's always a good choice. We don't know that much about Jonah other than the story, and the story is vague about him anyway. When I hear the word Jonah, the first thing that I think about is a well. And most of us who grew up around the Bible are immune to the shock of Jonah being swallowed by a well and living inside of it for three days, only to be spat out on the shore of Nineveh. But compared with some of the other Old Testament books, this is a Tuesday, like a Tuesday afternoon. But Jonah is weird even without the fish. Jonah is not like any of the other prophets, nor the books about those prophets in the Old Testament. Jonah has a call story, and he has a message to deliver, just like Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel, but we never really get to know Jonah's message. The other prophetic books in the Old Testament are pouring from the seams with what they had to say, and they had a lot to say. In fact, we know more about what they had to say than we know about the prophets themselves. Jonah has almost nothing to say. We know so much more about Jonah than we know about what he had to say. The book is upside down. It's backwards. This book was made to be this way by someone clever. So let's just assume that whoever wanted us to have this book wants us to notice that. And let's also assume that they would probably like for us to notice when Jonah does actually speak his message from God. 
In our text today, we read that the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. Then we read that Jonah got up and he went. Still no message. This is chapter 3, and this is the second time God has spoken to Jonah, and we still don't know what Jonah is going to say. Jonah seems to know, but we don't know. This is a narrative device known as tension. It is what has made this last year of our life so memorable. We are still sitting on the edge of our seats. The bow is drawn, and all the tension is still in it, and we are just waiting and waiting for that release. In the text today, we finally get to hear what God wants Jonah to say, and it's going to be great, and it's going to be like the end of whatever the last Netflix show that we burnt through too soon, leaving us searching desperately for a new show. But it's going to be huge, but it's not. We get to this huge moment in Jonah, and we get 40 days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's Jonah's message. If we started with Jonah chapter 1, we would have read about him saying no to God, then ending up in a life-threatening storm on a ship while running from God, then being thrown overboard, then swallowed by a fish, and being in there for three days, then we get to where God, Jonah is finally listening to God, and he is going to finally say what he's supposed to say, and he says, 40 days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. We are supposed to see in this that Jonah is still saying no to God. He is just not running from God with his body anymore. But Jonah's heart is still as hard as ever against God and what God is asking Jonah to do. Sometimes we miss it because we don't know the Ninevites the way that Jonah did. But it's important for us to know that what, Jonah is ask, what God is asking Jonah to do and has been asking him to do the whole time is to save his sworn enemy. God is asking Jonah to help a group of people who are part of an empire who tried to destroy his people, and they had quite a go at it. They tried and almost were successful in destroying what Jonah and his people cherished the most in the world. They desecrated things that they thought were holy to them, and they acted like no one would ever hold them accountable for it. And then they mocked Jonah and his people for taking it all so seriously. That's Jonah's issue, and it's really not that hard to relate to if we put our minds to it. Jonah disagrees with God about who deserves to be saved, who deserves to be forgiven, who deserves to be brought to justice, and who gets to go free. Jonah confuses his own ideology with God's. Jonah forgets that he doesn't always know what God wants or what might be on God's agenda. Jonah accidentally puts himself on God's throne, and he thinks his judgments are God's judgments, all the way to the point that when God informs him he might be wrong, he disagrees to God's face and then tries to run from God to prove it. And even here in our text with Jonah's message, all saturated in all its literary tension, we get 40 days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's it. After everything Jonah has been through, that's all he has to say to a people who need grace and forgiveness. Whoever got this story to us wants us to make no mistake in seeing that Jonah is the one in the story who needs forgiveness more than anyone else. 
the morning that Jonah got up to proclaim this half-hearted message to the city of Nineveh was the day after God saved him from the inside of a fish that had swallowed him three days before when God used that fish to save Jonah when he had been thrown over the side of a boat in a raging, storming sea. This same Jonah still does not believe in forgiveness. Maybe it's that Jonah thinks that certain people, like him, are more deserving of forgiveness than others. Sadly, Jonah never appears to get it, even after his super lame message to the Ninevites does the trick for them. We are told that all the Ninevites, even the animals, turn and repent and trust in God, even though Jonah's sermon was the absolute worst. They definitely need a better preacher going forward. Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Was that Jonah's intro? Jesus seems to think that the story of Jonah is supposed to say something about being confused about who God is. He calls it the sign of Jonah. The story of Jesus is a story about people being confused about who God is. It's a story about God becoming human and walking around on earth and people not liking him very much. The people, the them in this story, are the people who called themselves the people of God on earth, and they don't recognize God. They also disagreed with God when they spoke to him, even though they never realized to whom they were speaking when they spoke to Jesus. And we do too. We sometimes do this all the time, even when we don't realize it. Jonah and the story of the gospel are supposed to warn us as the people of God to never sit on God's throne of judgment. Jesus wanted more from us, and so did the person who told the story of Jonah first. If we are going to be the church, we have to try every day to remember the stories like Jonah and Jesus and to embody them with our lives. We are not to judge others, not our friends, not even our enemies who we might think deserve to be judged. Don't judge. It's simple but infinitely hard, especially when we live in a world full of judgment. I love the media because I love journalism's public pursuit of the truth. Their job is to keep everyone honest, and I love that. But through the media, we essentially upraise people, and then we destroy them without ever hearing both sides of the story. People's lives get destroyed when some stories are run, and sometimes those stories need to be run, and that truth needs to come out. But sometimes those stories are wrong, or they have the wrong information embedded in them, or they might be presented in a way that play on our need to judge others in order to make ourselves seem and look better. We love to judge other people. We like and unlike, follow and unfollow, block and report our way all the way through our days. We are always judging others, judging products, judging ideas, judging clothes, judging, judging. It never stops. Judgment can be good. It can keep us safe, and it helps us get to the truth. But judgment should never block us from seeing God and others, and it is never to keep us from keeping our hope as Christians in kindness, forgiveness, and love. No matter who we are dealing with, we can stay safe and pursue the truth and still be kind. We can stay safe and still love and root for people. We can stay safe and pursue justice and the truth and still look for the God of Jonah and the Ninevites and everyone that we come in contact with. If we let judgment run rampant in our lives, we will be overtaken by it 
and it will make us miserable, and it will make us take God's grace for granted to the point that we, like Jonah, are blind to the ways that we are also undeserving of God. None of us deserves God's forgiveness. Not one of us. Not me, not Jonah, not you. Who are we to say who deserves forgiveness or who gets a break and who doesn't? Letting judgment loose in our hearts and in our minds will keep us from seeing God's perpetual work of grace in others and in the world all around us. It will make us numb to it, and it may even keep us from believing in it ourselves. Or it might even keep us from seeing that every opportunity we have to judge is also an opportunity to extend the grace of God, the same grace that God has shown us. Judgment and grace for humans cannot happen simultaneously. God seems to be able to handle it pretty well, but it's one or the other for us. Jonah is a story about what can happen when we judge others because we believe God is always on our side. It's a story about how we might miss God's call for our lives. As the church, we are called to love every day. We are called to forgiveness every day. And it's really hard, and we don't always get it right. But that's why we need each other, especially in the world of judgment that we live in. When we go out into the world as the church, we have the opportunity to be kind in a very unkind place. We have the opportunity to be forgiving in a very unforgiving world. As the church, we are called by God and Jesus Christ to do our very best to choose grace over judgment and mercy over vengeance. Sometimes we make the mistake of hearing stories like Jonah and some of the other prophets and some of the other biblical characters, and we think that we are not called in the same ways that they were. We are. We are called in the exact same way that they were, and we are called to these things every single day as people who claim to be the people of God in the world and followers of Christ. Just like Jonah, God is always and has always been calling us wherever we are and whoever we are. God is calling us to lives of kindness, to lives of forgiveness, of love, and of non-judgment every single day. Every day. And it's really, really hard every day. So we are always working on it, and we're always trying to hear God's call so that when God does call us, we are open enough to hear it and brave enough to act on it. As the church, God is calling us all to our own individual Ninevehs. When God calls us, God doesn't leave voicemails or messages as if to try and figure out how God can make you and God's plan work together so that you end up in the exact same place at the right time. God is already waiting for you where you are headed, and he's calling you there. God is already where you are right now, calling you to non-judgment, to kindness, to forgiveness, and to love. Now let's not be a bunch of Jonah's. Let's leave room for God's way, and let's leave room for grace. Let us every day leave the same kind of room for others that God left for us. This is always going to be the most difficult thing God asks of us, but we can get it right, although we might not always get it right as the church. We proclaim that there is always one more seat at Jesus' table, so let us do our very best every single day because the world needs these things now more than it ever has. And God is calling us to proclaim this gospel of hope, this message of grace, and to be a light to the world with our very lives that we live every day. Amen.